1: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
0: Believe. Should you be concerned at all about Stanford's chances of losing to UC Davis this week? Well, I think it depends on who you are. And we're going to talk about that on the TreeCast with troy clarity thank you for joining us on the show it is thursday september the 13th and it's time to get ready for round three of the stanford football 2018 season hope you're having a great week so far i'm in detroit clarity i host this lovely show thank you for being along for the ride here with us i always appreciate you uh, supporting the show by listening by subscribing by rating and reviewing the show via Apple Podcasts and iTunes, and of course by telling all your friends, and thank you so far for helping make this the go-to podcast for Stanford football once again. We're going to be talking about Stanford and UC Davis, and I'm looking forward to talking to our guest about that very game Uh, The bootleg.com has long been one of the key information sources uh, for Stanford football. And I'm not just saying that because I used to write uh, Clarity's Corner for them for 15 seasons from 2002 uh, to the 2016 season. The bootleg.com continues to do fantastic work. Their publisher, RJ Abadia. He knows the Cardinal program inside and out, and we're going to talk uh, all things Stanford football with him and also get his thoughts as the Cardinal get ready to square off against those UC Davis Aggies. So R.J. Abadia coming up uh, on the program. Uh, as mentioned, I wrote for the bootleg.com for 15 years, the Clarity's Corner column. Uh, I also have followed uh, and I'm in my 26th season of following Stanford football and currently a Pac-12 network play-by-play announcer this time of year. I'm all about soccer on the Pac-12 network. I've got two doubleheaders this week <laughs> up in Berkeley on uh, Friday for Cal men's and women's soccer and then down on the farm uh, on Sunday for both of uh, Stanford uh, soccer games uh, down there. Stanford men take on uh, Delaware, and uh, Stanford women, uh, they the number one Stanford women, face uh, number seven Santa Clara. That should be a fun match. So uh, Pac-12 uh, Network play-by-play uh, is where you see me on TV these days, but you hear me on these very podcasts talking one of my favorite subjects, Stanford football. This week the task is this number nine Stanford they face the 23rd ranked UC Davis Aggies Stanford of course ranked number nine in FBS and UC Davis of course ranked number 23 in FCS so different uh, subdivisions for each schools but UC Davis uh, still a pretty nice little team Uh, they've done some good things over the past few years and You know, the the, the worry warts among the Stanford fans are already claiming that the the sky is falling. They're super worried about about what could possibly happen in this game. And and is there a chance that UC Davis could beat Stanford on Saturday morning? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Sure there's a chance. Keelan Doss apparently is a bad, bad man and the real deal at wide receiver for the Aggies. I'm looking forward to watching that young man play. Dan Hawkins, you remember him? Head coach at Boise State in the last decade, then went on to Colorado. It's not intramurals, brother. That's his playoffs moment. But Dan Hawkins knows what he's doing. As the head coach at his alma mater, helping to lead the UC Davis Aggies into another season for them. And, and special teams, especially the punting game for the Aggies, uh, appears to be a plus for UC Davis. Their punter really put San Diego State in some holes uh, when UC Davis beat the Aztecs or check that San Diego State, they beat San Diego, the Toreros. Uh, th- that, that's a completely different deal. <laughs> that would have been completely different if they had beaten the Aztecs. But they beat San Diego, the University of San Diego, the Toreros, and they pinned the Toreros time and time again way back inside their own territory, as has kind of been the case for Stanford so far this year. So these two teams kind of emphasize a lot of the same things, big targets in the receiving game, get after it on defense, and play well in the field position in special teams. So there's a chance for UC Davis here in this game. Now, that being said, a lot more things have to go right, I think, for UC Davis to win this game. Because let's face it, Stanford's offensive line should be able to maul UC Davis's front seven. I'm sure that they'll be quick and they'll be active, but the size differential, the offensive line to the defensive line in the trenches, it's it's almost no contest between Stanford and UC Davis. The uh, are they still called the Tunnel Workers Union? Have we moved on from that moniker yet? I'll just call them the Stanford offensive line. They they can maul people. Let's see if they're able to do that against the Aggies on Saturday morning. The wide receivers and tight ends for Stanford, well, you know what? There'll be mismatches too, and there will be more than just one. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, Trenton Irwin, Kaden Smith, Colby Parkinson. Who do you guard? Who do you guard? Who do you cover? Can you cover them? They'll create mismatches. Lance Anderson, I'm sure, will have a plan for Keelan Doss. I would imagine. I would imagine. Is there a chance for UC Davis? Sure. Should you be worried about UC Davis and the chances of the Aggies beating Stanford? Well, it depends on who you are. If you're a fan, a Stanford fan looking at this, and listening to this podcast, thank you for that. And if you're worried about UC Davis beating Stanford, quite honestly, I think you're overthinking it. I think you're overthinking it a bit. And I think you're maybe remembering what happened when these two teams met in 2005, that day at Stanford Stadium. and forgetting about what happened when these two squads met in 2014 when Stanford made very quick work of the Aggies and and walked out of the stadium with an easy 45 nothing win that's what happened the last time these two teams met it was just four years ago yes I know Bryce Love is out for this game with an undisclosed injury, I realize that yes, he's out. Yes, it will be nice to have him back. And look, in the ideal world, I would love to have seen—I uh, would have loved to have seen Bryce Love maybe walk away with you know a 16 carry, 230 yard day with a couple of long touchdowns, and he calls it a night and puts himself squarely back in the Heisman race. Would would love to have seen that, but that's not going to happen. But even without Bryce Love. I'm still having trouble thinking that UC Davis has enough, has enough to beat Stanford without without Bryce Love. I'm having that trouble. So I, I think if you're a fan and you're looking at this game and this matchup in those terms, I think you're overthinking it. Now, if you're a coach and you're worried about UC Davis's chances of, of beating Stanford, then heck yes, by all means, be worried. Be alarmed. Be worried about Dan Hawkins and his prowess. Be worried about uh, Keelan Doss, the great Aggies wide receiver. Be worried about what that offense has been able to do, putting up uh, 44 points and 54 points in each of their respective games so far this season. Be concerned. Mostly because that's your job as a coach, right? (laughs) But if you're a fan, relax. Calm down a little bit. Head to the stadium on Saturday morning. Enjoy the earliest kickoff at home in Stanford Stadium history. And then walk out of the stadium and then enjoy the rest of your day. Because we're we're not often in that position to to walk out of Stanford Stadium when the sun is still up these days. If you're a coach, sure, be worried about UC Davis' chances. If you're a fan, eh, not so much, not so much. Should be interesting. On a Saturday morning at Stanford Stadium, looking forward to getting it going. It is an 11 a.m. kickoff. As that should be an interesting sight, an interesting setting, and an interesting time for things to get going. I, I asked David Shaw for his thoughts on an 11 a.m. kickoff. I'll, I'll share uh, what what he what he what he told me a bit later on. Uh, in the program. This is the TreeCast with Troy Clarity. A couple of reminders. Number one, please, please subscribe to the show via Apple Podcasts and iTunes. I certainly would appreciate that. Don't forget to rate and review the show as well. Thank you to those of you who have already done so. And, And tell everyone you know about the program. Tell everyone you know. And when you do rate and review the show, if you love it, great. Tell us about it. If you don't love it, great. Tell me about it. Let me know what I need to do to make it better. Would love to. You got suggestions for guests? I would certainly take those. Looking forward to making this and to keeping this the best Stanford football podcast out there possible. You can follow me on Twitter, at Troy Clarity. At Troy Clarity is the way to go on Twitter. You have thoughts on the show. The best way to get them to me is uh, also via Twitter with the hashtag TreeCast. Hashtag TreeCast. But would always encourage uh, interactivity here on this show. Usually I head down to Stanford every week during the season, usually on Tuesday mornings, and head down to check out David Shaw's weekly press conference and media luncheon, as we all head over to Jimmy B's after David Shaw and a couple of players share their thoughts, but was not able to do so. Uh, this week, due to uh, family obligations. Uh, so, I was not able to make it to uh, this week's uh, David Shaw presser. But, someone who is always there and someone who always has his finger squarely on the pulse of the squad of Stanford football and what's happening uh, on the ins and on the outs is a guy who has taken over as the publisher of thebootleg.com. Certainly glad to see that. Certainly uh, sc- certainly glad to see what he has done in his uh, stewardship of thebootleg.com. And uh, one of my favorite folks to chat uh, Stanford football with. Very pleased to have him along with us. The publisher of thebootleg.com. The one, the only, RJ Abadia joins us here on the TreeCast. RJ, thanks a bunch. Appreciate the time, my man. How you doing? I'm doing
1: great. Uh, that is that is high praise from the uh, from the dean of Stanford media contributors.
0: You you realize how that how old that makes me sound, right?
1: I absolutely do. Why did you guys say it?
0: <laughs> Thanks, I appreciate that. <laughs> All right, let's start talking about Stanford football and getting your thoughts on some things that we've seen uh, so far uh, to this point in the season. In your mind, what are some of the things that we've learned over the first two games, and what are some things that might still stand out as as, as unknowns as Stanford gets ready for UC Davis?
1: Well, you know, I think, I think we've learned that Stanford is very serious about the games that they lost last year uh, in terms of the amount of effort and energy and focus, you know, I think David Shaw expressed very candid concern after the San Diego state loss last year. And I think we didn't, I hope we didn't fail to take them seriously. Um, And, you know, I think No one inside the program is ever going to admit on the record that those kind of things fluctuate from week to week. But one thing that seems pretty clear to me is that Stanford took San Diego State very seriously this year, and they were ready to play. And they've erased, you know, they've won two games that were losses last year. So, I mean, I think on the overall side of things, um, I think we've learned that this team looks at last season the way I think most which is below the standard, um, despite the fact that it was a nine-man season and a lot of other teams would be happy to have that. Mm-hmm. I think they've kind of acknowledged that that's not the team that they want to be. And overall, what we've seen, I think, is a team that's, that's taken that seriously. Um, as far as question marks, I think you could, you could look on both sides of the ball um, to find those. I think the defense, the returns on the defense, Are more encouraging than I think anyone would have expected, given the opponents and given what we didn't know coming into the season. Um, I think they still have some things to to clean up and prove and establish, but I think they are, without question, further along than anyone thought they'd be. Um, Offense, I think, is not further along than where people thought it would be, but I think they've shown enough to suggest that we were right to have high expectations for them. And I would expect them to get closer to those expectations as the next couple weeks unfold. You know, the big mitigating factor to all of that, of course, is being health.
0: Always is in the world of football. and I'll get your thoughts on one particular player who is not going to be playing against the UC Davis Aggies here in, in just a moment or so. And it's always amazing to me how, you know, you look at last year and they won nine games, they won the North Division, had a chance to play, uh, played in a game that had a, had a direct bearing on who would go to the Rose Bowl that year. And yet because they lost four games by four points or less, it's still seen as a disappointment, which I find amazing that Stanford's in a position where, where a nine-win season can still be seen as a disappointment. But, hey. Those are all good problems to have, but 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 back 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 to this year for a second. You know, I'm thinking about this. and Obviously, hindsight's 2020 here, and I'm thinking about this a little bit more after the USC result, in which Stanford, you know, just kind of suffocated the Trojans for the most part. The 17-3 win for the Cardinal, Stanford. When you look at the tail of the tape between Stanford and USC at this point right now, the Cardinals seem to have decided advantages. For the most part, just about everywhere, it seems. And again, maybe it's the hindsight being twenty twenty, but should we have seen that particular result against USC coming all along?
1: I think it's tough to say that. I, I will say we maybe shouldn't have been surprised to see them win by two touchdowns, but I would argue that nobody could possibly have seen that margin being 17-3. to three. Sure. Um, you know, I think... You know, David Shaw alluded a little bit to this, I think, in his post-game presser right after the USC game. You know, I think he said, you know, you kind of want to just lay the blanket stereotype of USC is the athletic team and Stanford is the tough team. But I think, you know, his point was, I think Stanford's a little more athletic than you think, and is probably a little, USC's a little tougher than you think. Um, and I think that might be true to an extent, but I, I think that, that that gap has been closing for years between USC and Stanford and I don't think it's ever going to be completely closed because the fact of the matter is USC will have the best talent in the Pac-12 every single year. There's really no way around that. But I think that gap has closed to the point where, you know, if USC doesn't have advantages, you know, maybe at certain positions like at quarterback that they did last year, I think um, or advantages in terms of experience, then results, like Saturday can happen, which, you know, I mean, you, you are always good about taking the long view. And, and, you know, when you look at the entirety of the Stanford football tradition, it's been rare where you could say that it's been rare that year after year, there was any stretch where Stanford could walk onto the field with USC, USC and say, you know, we're not going to be, get beat purely by athleticism. I think, I think those days, I think those days are gone. Um, for the most part, which is not to say USC is not going to be USC, but I just think Stanford's in a different place um, as far as the way the game played out. Again, I think I think, you, I think it's kind of a perfect storm. You know, I think Stanford, when they got boat raced last year at the Coliseum, wasn't as bad as they showed, and USC wasn't as good as they showed on that particular day. Um, and I think that's probably the same in the reverse for last Saturday. I think USC will be better as the season goes on. Um, I don't know if Stanford's defense is really ready to hold people down to three points a week. But, again, I think Stanford's offense can be better, too. So, you know, i not not surprised that Stanford won, but I think the way in which they won, I think everybody's kind of surprised about that.
0: Yeah, and, and, and neither team, no one actually right now is a finished product at this point. Uh, No Bryce Love against UC Davis this week, an undisclosed injury. I've seen some speculation that I I probably spent already too much time uh, addressing what that speculation of that injury might be. But no Bryce Love this week against the UC Davis Aggies. Big deal or no big deal?
1: Um, I'm going to say no big deal at the moment because uh, Coach Shaw was pretty clear yesterday in saying that this was not a long-term concern. Um, And, yeah, I mean, like you said, it's it's both foolish and kind of pointless to speculate. Um, I think everybody saw him get hit. I think everybody saw him get hit where he got hit. And most everybody saw him running up the tunnel a little bit early before the end of Saturday's game. So, you know, you can draw whatever conclusions you want. Bottom line is Stanford should not need Bryce Love to win this game on Saturday. And if he's back for Oregon, then... It's no big deal.
0: Were you surprised that he took a kick uh, a kick return against USC last week?
1: So I will feel free to uh, hypothesize as to the psychology behind that, despite the fact that it's probably equally as pointless. Um, I feel more free to do that than with injuries. Um, I, I, I have a strong sense that that was about right, And Stanford being a little frustrated with what Bryce had been able to do up until that point. Um, You know, I mean, the the run game against San Diego State was not pretty. Uh, Bryce had problems, obviously, the whole unit did. Uh, And then up until that point against USC, um, I also think they were having problems. That 59-yard run had not arrived yet. And and I I think there was just on some level – between Bryce and maybe the coaches, like, we got to get you out there. Let's, let's, let's get you out in space. Let's, you know, let's, let's get you going. And, and I think kind of the more revealing thing is that, quite frankly, it was a bad choice for him to come out. It cost, you know, it cost Stanford 15 yards, basically, mm-hmm. um, in return yardage, which makes me think it was more of an emotional, like, I'm a little frustrated and I really want to make an impact here kind of a decision
0: couple guys offensively who have been uh, injured. One guy we could see this week uh, make his return to the starting – not not the starting lineup, rather, but but make his return to the playing field. And another guy who will be out once more – Uh, Connor Weddington, I was really looking at him as being uh, one of the key players to help bring the Stanford offense to a whole other level, especially in the run uh, yardage after catch department. And Jesse Burkett, haven't seen him so far as he continues to recover uh, from his injury, but apparently he is going to uh, get a little playing time against UC Davis this week. Bur- Burkett's return in your mind, what could that mean to the offensive line, and, and how big is the fact that we- how big is it the fact that Weddington hasn't been been a factor so far uh, for the Stanford offense to this point?
1: Well, I think for Burkett, I think it can only help. Um, you know, long term, um, Stanford, I think is happy with what they're seeing from Drew Dahlman, and I think he's played pretty well given the circumstances. Um, in fact, I, I think you could make a strong argument he was the best offensive lineman who played last Saturday. Um, but the bottom line is a lot of the expectations for this offense is connected to the fact that Stanford's supposed to have a fifth-year center at center. And so the sooner that happens, the better. I think it's kind of a comfort to know that Drew Dahlman is available and can play and can hold up against against top competition. Um but that being said, I think it's a big deal to get him back. I think it's a big deal to get him back this week and get him some get him some reps. Um, you know, I asked I asked Shaw after practice yesterday about a pitch count. He wouldn't he wouldn't go with that phrasing, but obviously, just going to play the whole game on Saturday um, for a number of reasons. Hopefully, but I think it's a big deal. I think there's you know there's been nothing but instability on that offensive line. You know, not due to anything Stanford did wrong, just kind of some bad injury luck. And anything that moves Stanford towards stability on the line is a good thing. And getting J.C. Burkett in there and getting him in there regularly now is is a good thing. Connor Weddington is interesting because I agree with your assessment that I think a lot of what Stanford should be able to do um, yards after the catch and and just in the passing game overall – is, is, is connected to, to getting him out on the field and letting him do things. Um, I will say it's slightly mitigated by the fact that, frankly, right now, I think wide receiver might be the best and most and deepest position group on this football team, which, you know, I think considering the philosophy around which the program is built, that might take some people by surprise. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is, is you know, you have J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, Trent Irwin playing pretty well right now and you've also got freshman michael wilson simi fahoko osiris st brown um, also available so yeah i think you certainly want to see connor weddington back especially when you start getting into those tougher road games at the end of this month but if stanford's going to be hit by a loss that's the position group i think best suited to handle such a loss
0: Talking to RJ Abadia, the publisher of thebootleg.com. Always check out uh his stuff, as it is always quite tasty. Uh, let's talk a little special teams because I think that kind of gets over overlooked a little bit in the grand scheme of things with Stanford football, especially Jake Bailey. My God. A- and it's too bad that that Utah has has the kickers that they that that uh, that they do, because I think Bailey would be a shoe-in uh, for all Pac-12 honors. But but, but Bailey and his importance to the special teams I don't think can be can can be overestimated at this point
1: yeah I mean I I think it's too bad that um, Jake Bailey doesn't have the altitude that the Utah punters um, enjoy <laughs> I mean those guys have been really good over the years not to take anything from them but I mean you know our our colleague from the Stanford Daily Alexa Phillip, who started the hashtag Jake Bailey for Heisman last year and <laughs> And I think at most you can only be half kidding about that because he plays a very significant role when you factor in the way Stanford wants to play and how important field position is for this team and what Jake Bailey does for them. um, I believe it was, I want to say 10 of 12, and if not 10 of 12, something very similar against USC might've been 11 of 12, Um, but All but four drives this year for the opponent have started inside their own 30 or better. Um, And that's a big deal. Um, Stanford's defense last year enjoyed the best starting position, field position in college football. Their offense enjoyed the 10th best starting position on average in college football, and you know, obviously credit to the entirety of the special teams group and, and, and Pete Alomar, but certainly right at the top is Jake Bailey, who just, I mean, the guy just does his job and does it really, really well. And, again, on other teams, I think having an excellent punter doesn't matter quite as much, but I think Stanford is a team where it really does matter, and it, it's, a big, it's a big part of why Stanford succeeds when it succeeds.
0: And so, uh, so uh, a big part of all the little things that Stanford uh, needs to do well and has to do well and does do well, do in, well. in order to win ball games. A couple last questions for R.J. Abadia, the publisher of TheBootleg.com, joining us here on this TreeCast. Uh, UC Davis, they're 2-0. and uh, They beat San Jose State in their opener. They knocked off San Diego last week. Uh, they're averaging 49 points a game. Still, there's no reason to seriously think that UC Davis po- poises a threat to Stanford. Right?
1: I mean, put it like this, all, all the reasons are subjective. You know, I think Stanford fans of enough, we'll just say, length in the tooth um, certainly remember maybe the worst moment in the history of the program, if you talk about a single game. Um, losing that UC Davis game. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think those memories don't die easily. Um, I think the fact that Bryce Love's not playing and the offensive line getting completely shuffled around, Walker Little's not playing, Foster Sorrell's not playing. Um, you know, then you start kind of talking yourself into, well, okay, now it's, it's Cam Scarlett and, and the offensive line's going to be retooled and Jesse Burkett's just his first game back and Even when you add all that up, I just have a hard time convincing myself that this is going to be a struggle. Um, There really is no reason that it should be, to be quite honest with you. Um, I I think UC Davis is a program headed in the right direction. I think, you know, their results are their results. Um, they got a pretty good coach. Um, And so, you know, you definitely don't want to see Stanford come out and play like a team that's presumed anything, especially you know, kind of with the way we talked that we started this conversation off, right? About sure. It seemed clear that at points last year Stanford overlooked some people, but regardless, I no, I mean that's if if Stanford struggles in this game, I mean we've got a lot of things to reconsider in terms of this team, and I I just don't see it happening. I think Stanford has been pretty good, certainly at home about beating on the teams they're supposed to beat on. And I think UC Davis certainly falls in that category coming up this Saturday.
0: Yeah. Hopefully we're not all walking out of the stadium, uh, trying to reassess and reevaluate things. And hopefully we're all walking out of the stadium on a Saturday afternoon, not Saturday night, but on Saturday afternoon uh, feeling good about things as we get to the final two weeks uh, of September. And as we wrap this up, you know, a big, big test coming up for Stanford, both on the road, their first two road trips, and they're not easy, one in Eugene and one in Notre Dame. Uh, what do you think the chances as of right now are that Stanford ends up getting that 5-0 and start?
1: I think the chances are good. Um, obviously I don't think it's anything you can take to the bank when you're talking about the insanity of Austin Stadium or, you know, going to South Bend. Um. And, and those are two teams who are definitely formidable. Um, I think Oregon's improved. Um, my I, I tend to be less concerned about Oregon than others just because I don't think that in a year the Oregon defense has gained so much ground that a group that could not handle Keller Chris is going to be able to handle KJ Costello um, and and all the things that Stanford's bringing to the table offensively. But it's interesting because I, I, I think an argument can be made that if Stanford can get those two games, there's not a lot standing between them and a playoff appearance. Um, Obviously, they have that trip to Seattle, Mm -hmm. but if Stanford wins both those games and and holds serve on every other game besides that Washington game, they may still very much be in the playoff picture. So I, I think a lot at stake, And I think as of right now, I think it's fair to be optimistic about both those trips. I mean, obviously, they're going to be difficult. Um, I think Stanford's defense will obviously be tested in ways they have not yet been tested. And I think the offense could probably stay the same. But I also think Stanford's offense has not come close to putting its best foot forward. And I think it can and will be doing that in the next couple weeks to a month. You know, obviously, again, knocking on wood with the health concerns. But it's not crazy to think that they're going to be 5-0. and And I think it's also not crazy to think that if they get 5-0, and it's really time to start shifting upward in terms of what you think this team can be this year.
0: Yeah, looking forward to seeing what this team can put together going forward. But the road to 5-0 and uh, had best not be derailed by Stanford ending up 2-1 and as they still have to find a way to get past UC Davis this Saturday. Covering all things Cardinal, my man, the publisher of the bootleg.com, R J Abadia. R J, good stuff. Thanks a so bunch. We appreciate the time. Pleasure
1: as always, Senator.
0: Good stuff from uh, R J Abadia. Really appreciate him uh, taking out the time and uh, sharing his thoughts. And uh, he feels pretty confident about Stanford's chances against UC Davis. And, and and why not? I mean, I think I think as Stanford fans and followers, uh, we all should. However, there's still a chance. There's still a chance. That said, a lot of dominoes have to fall in the Aggies' direction in order for things uh, to fall that way. As mentioned, it is an 11 a.m. kickoff. And when I first heard that news, I rolled my eyes when the schedule first came out and the kickoff times were announced for the first few games uh, back in the early summer. And I said, what? 11 a.m.? Are you kidding? Then I promptly uh, went to Alan George, the uh, Stanford football sports information director, and demanded that they be placing uh, an omelet bar in the press box for that game. Didn't get the omelet bar. We're getting breakfast burritos instead. Oh, okay. All right. That's fine. As many night kickoffs as we've had to face, for as, as, as Stanford followers and players and coaches and staff over the past few years, it's, it's kind of jarring to see and experience an 11 a.m. kickoff. Remember the 1 p.m. kickoff last year against Arizona State and you walked out of the stadium at like 4, 4, 35 o'clock or so and you had the rest of the day to do whatever you wanted to do? Remember how foreign that feeling felt? Well, we're going to have that again this Saturday and it's definitely going to be going to be an interesting challenge, an interesting uh, set of circumstances, the 11 a.m. kickoff for Stanford. And back during Pac-12 football media day uh, in LA back in late July, uh, I I asked David Shaw for his thoughts on the 11 a.m. kickoff and what sort of challenges uh, that could possibly pose. And and he gave me a he gave me a pretty interesting response. He said, "Okay, well, my number one question is, what 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 time do we eat? What, What time does the team eat? What when do we go? You know, do you do you go too early? Do you go too late?" You know, because at 11 a.m. kickoff, it's like right kind of in a weird spot of the day. Obviously, you don't want to, you know, completely fill the kids up, you know, right before the game. That could get ugly and messy. And, and, and you don't want to starve them either. And <laughs> Shaw said, he, t- he told me, look, there's a good chance I might be starving by halftime, depending upon upon how they handle that. So it's interesting to know all the different things, all the different variables. And it just it just impresses upon me once again all the different things that go into running a program. It's not just X and O's, the things that 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 the folks in the stands and even even us folks in the press box and in the media claim to know a lot about. And mo- many of us do know a lot about it, but it's at the same point, at the same time, we still still have no foggy and earthly idea of the same amount of information, the same amount of knowledge um, that, that the coaches and the players and the staff have. There are so many different things that go into winning a football game besides X's and O's, besides who's out on the field, whether your your Heisman Trophy candidate running back is, is out on the field at any given time or not. Sometimes it's the little things Like, when do we eat? (laughs) Never in a million years would I have thought that that would have been David Shaw's biggest concern, at least as of late July when we talked about this 11 a.m. kickoff this week. Then again, David Shaw and the Stanford coaching staff and the rest of the the support staff for the Cardinal, they leave no stone unturned. And I'm sure that they uh, have the correct game plan or taking the correct approach to when they're going to eat For this go around, Stanford and UC Davis, 11 a.m. kickoff on Saturday. Again, I I hope we're not all walking out of the stadium reevaluating things. I hope we don't learn a lot (laughs) on the course of uh, Saturday. But whether we do or not, we're still going to learn some things. And uh, the Treecast will be roaming the Stanford locker room afterwards. Uh, We'll definitely get uh, post-game sound and chatter uh, with some of the athletes, uh, with some of the student athletes and the players uh, who have critical roles in whatever happens on Saturday. So I encourage you to uh, rejoin us uh, for the next edition of the TreeCast, which, heck, it could come Saturday evening. I don't know. It's early enough in the day. It could also come on Sunday. I'm I'm pretty sure it will come at some point uh, during the weekend. Hang with me. I do have two soccer games to call for the Pac-12 Network on Sunday as well, so might not be able to get to this uh, next TreeCast as quickly as I would like. But when it comes, you can be the first to hear it. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts. Do it now. Rate and review the show. I always appreciate that. I also appreciate our guest for the TreeCast today. RJ Abadia, the publisher of thebootleg.com. and also of course the biggest thanks goes out to you for checking us out for being a part of the show don't forget hashtag treecast on Twitter hashtag treecast, that's the best way to uh, uh, voice some of your opinions uh, on the show, but again some good ones so far I appreciate uh, your feedback and your input Uh, be part of the show, I always encourage that and we will see you next time. Thanks for checking us out. This is the TreeCast with Troy Claire. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you.
1: Call.